please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. I'm your host, Doug King. Uh, Jesse is away this week with a family emergency, so I would ask all of our listeners to send your thoughts and prayers for her as she has experienced a death in her family. But uh, we, we are trudging on here today as best we can in light of some truly horrific news, not just in our family, but but nationwide as we look at what happened in Orlando this last week. And I think that this is a very poignant topic. Fortunately for us, Jesse uh, arranged a special guest who will be joining us during the second and third segments, who is a professional trainer for active shooter situations. And I think that this is, his name is Rodney Smith, and uh, he is... He has 24 years in the Navy. He is a very bright and intelligent instructor, very dedicated to GeorgiaCarry.org. He's been to many meetings. He's an active member. He's uh, given training to lots of our members and, and is a great guy to get to know. But uh, above and beyond that, he is <clears throat> someone who can teach you what to do in these kind of situations. And the Orlando situation is truly one of the, the more horrifying that I've seen. Okay. So we've got, we've got somebody who's not only local. I mean, this is not foreign terrorism coming in. This is an American who had a grievance against a certain class of people because of his own beliefs. Now, I am the, the strongest supporter of freedom of beliefs. If you want to love somebody, if you want to hate somebody, and in between the, the space between your ears, that is your prerogative to do as you wish. But you have, you never have a right to hurt another person. You never have a right to go and actively try to hurt another person. And that's, that's goes beyond, you know, these active shooter situations that goes to infringing on their property rights. That goes to forcing them to do things that are against their will. All of those things are, are forms of harm that we should, you know, despise and hate and, and, and restrict and limit. But your freedom of belief is yours. But when that freedom of belief starts to spill out into violent or or harmful acts, then it's society's duty and society's responsibility to put a stop to that. And we as a society need to start taking personal responsibility for our freedoms and our for our security. And that's something that is lacking in our culture is the personal responsibility for our own security. We want to outsource our security to the police or to the government or to another. But there is no another who is going to be there with you 24 hours a day. There is no another who is with you able to protect you all the time. That responsibility ultimately falls on the individual, and we need to be prepared. And the way we need to prepare is not by throwing up our hands or saying, let's get rid of all guns and some panacea of, of goodwill that no one will ever again raise a firearm in, in anger or hate, because it doesn't work that way. The people who hate, the people who are willing to turn that hate into action, are not going to be swayed by a law. Because there are already laws against murder. There are already laws against shootings. There are already laws against everything. It doesn't matter. The laws are not meant to stop crime. Law does not stop crime. Law punishes a criminal. And this criminal 
it would have been punished if he wasn't dead. But we've reached a point now where the mass shooters are individuals who are willing to die. They don't care. They don't care if they die or if they live at that point. And so there is no deterrence value for the law at all. And so we need to be ready and stand ready. George Orwell said it best, I think, when he said that good people sleep at night only because rough men stand willing to do violence on their behalf, right? Well, that's insufficient. That is insufficient in our new society. You can't just have rough men who are willing to do violence. Every person has to take up the mantle of personal security, and that's what our guest is going to talk about in, in the next segment. Um, I need to talk a little bit about what's going on in Orlando. There's news popping up left, right, and center. Of course, we know that the president has come out and said that it's the gun's fault. Um, he doesn't want to acknowledge that that um, Mr. Mateen uh, was in any way influenced by any kind of religious, cultural, or personal agenda. I've heard interviews from Mr. Mateen's father, who apparently is a stand-up man and has good character and good morals. I don't know what happened to his son, but my goodness, how the apple fell far from the tree on this one. Um, there's new evidence that just come out nine minutes ago that Orlando gunman wife exchanged texts during Rampage. So apparently she not only drove him to the place, but they were texting each other and checking Facebook to see the, the outcry from, and the aftermath from the shooting. Um, you there there are victims whose families are being comforted nationwide this is a a national tragedy because it stretches far beyond orlando is a scene of, of vacations and people traveling so a lot of the people there who were involved were from disparaging parts of the country where where they have family who is far spread away i, I don't know anyone who's from florida everyone seems to go to florida it's just kind of the nature of the beast down there so uh, there's a a, a collective movement right now to comfort and to stand and support the victims but the best way to support a victim is to not become one and it's time that we start to do something about this and and i think that oh my goodness here uh, orlando shooting gun store owner says the fbi called about omar mati um we've got that he omar mateen was suspended for cheering for 9-11 um John McCain is backpedaling as as usual. That's no surprise to anyone who knows anything about Republican presidential candidates. They tend to do that often. Orlando gunman was cool and calm after massacre. Police say why the Orlando shooting is unlikely to lead to major new gun control. Thank goodness. I mean that that's from the New York Times, and it's true. I mean we're not going to stand by and let someone who's willing. You can't murder people and then take away rights. And that's just not going to happen in this country. We're not going to stand for letting terrorists and, and criminals and, and, and evil men take our rights away under the guise of security when there is no security except for what we provide for ourselves. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. That's what it comes down to. So, I mean, this is, this is a tragedy, and especially since it happened against the gay and lesbian community. That's something that I've been really impressed with this week is you see all these headlines, gays and lesbians flock to gun stores. I, I saw a banner that said that armed gays don't get bashed. And while I don't actively support that lifestyle choice in, in any way, shape, or manner or fashion, the the bigger issue is is that they're starting to wake up and realize that liberal policies 
that disarm people are not their friends. You know, the, the liberals have had this, like, stranglehold on that community for decades, saying that the Republicans hate you. Well, Republicans, Republicans may, I don't know, but true conservatives, true believers in liberty don't hate gays or lesbians. True Christians don't hate gays and lesbians. The, 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 the impetus is that there's a feeling that their life choice is not something that we can condone or agree with. Well, okay, fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's again a personal belief. But hate, when you hate them and you take it out on them, then you're hurting their freedoms and that's wrong. That's a greater wrong than, than your personal belief on whether or not you should follow that lifestyle or not follow that lifestyle. When it becomes an action that impinges on another person's liberty, that's wrong. So, we need to come together and realize that we can't make the bad people in the world obey these laws. We can't make the people who would do harm to another by virtue of a threat of punishment, change their belief systems. And when they start to act on it, we have to stop them cold and dead right there. And these active shooting sh- shooter scenarios are the, the groundwork that is laid to make this you know, a, a reality for so many people. We need to get people involved so that they know what to do. Because the, the mantra, the belief that comes out of so much of this is just that an active shooter situation, you've got to go and run and hide in a closet and hope they don't get to you, hope they don't notice you. In the 40 minutes it takes the police to get there and to get deployed and to drink some coffee and lay up a, a barrier and go get the RV and then finally decide to come in. And all that time while you're sweating in the closet, that's all you can do and just hope that you're the the door farthest from where he came in, right? That's wrong. We don't need to be there. What we need to do is get rid of these gun-free zones. We, the, the, the bar that was hit in Florida was a gun-free zone. We see South Carolina, Georgia, uh, states all across the country are repealing laws that, that prohibit carrying in bars. Why? Because having a prohibition against a bar, <coughs> carrying in a bar, doesn't do any good. It didn't do any good for Florida. Having a prohibition for carrying on UCLA campus didn't do any good. It didn't stop the murder that happened there, and that was not campus violence. That was just a murder. Yeah, but it didn't stop it. But if one of those people at that nightclub had had a gun and been able to fight back, maybe they wouldn't have t- picked that as a target. It, you notice they, they never go and attack the police station. Why, why aren't these mass shooters going to the police station? Which is, of course, the embodiment of civil authority, government, and everything that, you know, they hold evil. Why don't they go attack the police station? Because it's a hard target. They don't want that. They want soft target where they can make havoc and have, have, have more time. They attacked a medical facility in California because it was a soft target. They attack nightclubs and places where people are having fun and enjoying themselves because it's a strike at the heart of what it is to be an American. Folks, we are coming up on our commercial break. When we come back, Rodney Smith will be with us talking about active shooter scenarios and then probably situational awareness because I think those are both topics that really need to be covered today. You're listening to Georgia Career Auto Radio. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. And as I said before the break, uh, we're joined by Rodney Smith, who is a expert instructor on all things when it comes to firearms and situational awareness. Uh, we've been talking, Rodney, in, in the first segment about the Orlando shooting and, and what's been going on down there and the need for being more aware of what's going on, especially in an active shooter situation. So thank you for joining us today. Yes, good morning. So let me let me ask you, what what is the name of your company again? It's uh, Georgia Firearms and Security Training Academy. It's uh, we we call it GA FASA. GA FASA, and you said that you're a GeorgiaCarry.org member, right? Uh, that's perfect, sir. And you've done a lot of active shooter training. What is the nature of active shooter training? Is this the sort of stuff that you're in a room with, like paintball guns, or is this more of a classroom thing? Well, we do several different types of training. Uh, we do uh, presentations on active shooter, uh, and uh, we combine it with a situation awareness uh, to make it uh, more effective and enhances the training. Uh, but we do have different types of training as well, uh, such as uh, church training. Uh, we do the active shooter uh, situation, in that, and what we do there is we actually uh, certify and qualify uh, church volunteers to uh, actually carry guns uh, in that situation. Okay, so let's talk about a, a typical active shooter situation. What are what are the characteristics that make it an active shooter situation rather than just uh, you know a murder suicide pact or or some other kind of violent crime? Oh, as we know, an active shooter is uh, you know an individual that is mostly uh, you know deranged type individual, uh, a loner uh, out for revenge. Uh, lost a girlfriend, uh, lost a job, things like that. Uh, they go in and, uh, you know, man, what they do is hit on soft targets. You know, it's always gun-free zone things. That was something that I was discussing in the first segment is the, the idea of a hard target or a soft target. You don't see these things happen at police stations. They always tend to be someplace where they know that their victims will be unarmed. That's, that, that's exactly correct. So what can a person do to start to prepare for this mentally? I mean, it, it happens in the most unexpected places. We've seen it happen at a medical center. We've seen it happen at a nightclub. These are not the places that we're going around thinking, you know, I might get mugged here. These are the places that are supposed to be safe. Well, uh, first of all, it, you know, it starts off with, uh, you know, situation awareness. If you can, you know, visualize something before it materializes, uh, then you're going to be able to act and respond accordingly uh, before it even happens. Uh, so, you know, we, we teach situation awareness to get you aware of your surroundings. And then, of course, the active shooter, as you know, uh, they always pick on the soft targets. They're, uh, you know, these guys are not the sharpest tools in the shed, uh, but they know how to read. And they, uh, you know, they are very clever. Uh, they, they do a lot of, uh, you know, searching the situation prior to their engagement. So they'll be the kind of they'll they'll be scouting out the area. They'll know the ingress and egresses of the building. They'll know who's there on a given day, at least you know in in terms of um, density of, of patrons, and that's going to factor into their choices. Uh, yes, you know there is a difference between an active shooter and and domestic terrorism. Uh, we teach that in our classes as well. Uh, you know, active shooter again. Uh, they're an individual that's a loner type of thing, revenge. Uh, you know, this, this you know, this range or whatever case may be. Uh, and then that, uh, you know, a, your domestic terrorism. Uh, these are you know your typical what they call quotes, uh, lone wolves and you know ISIS and you know uh, individual like that. Um, so we have there's two different 
two different brands of individuals on that type of stuff. When we look back at the attack that happened in Paris, we saw multiple groups working in coordination at multiple targets in a close proximity of time. That would not be an active shooter situation then? Uh, oh, that would be, that, that's your typical uh, planned attack, uh, you know, could be an ISIS or, you know, that type of individuals. Uh, that is more of your domestic terrorism type, uh, type of thing like that. Uh, yes, exactly right. So it's not an active shooter. That would be that would be a planned attack with multiple hits, uh, just like the one in Orlando. Uh, that wasn't an active shooter. That was a terrorist attack, which is totally different. So what can we do to prepare for uh, an Orlando situation? I mean, from my understanding is these people were at a nightclub just trying to enjoy themselves, and all of a sudden the door kicks in and somebody's shooting. What's what's the best course of action? Well, the best course of action is knowledge. We need to empower everybody. Um, you know, we all went to school at some time or other, some, you know, grade school, high school, college, so on and so forth. We need to get educated. So, we, And how to get educated is we need to start taking some classes. And how are we going to take these classes? There are, we, we provide these classes all the time. Um, and so, first of all, we got to get knowledgeable. Then we have to get prepared mentally, uh, prepared. And also, I'm a big fan on carrying a firearm. Uh, concealed carry, uh, and so again, uh, uh, you know, stop a bad guy with a gun. Is it going to be a good guy with a gun? Of course, and that's something that you know we preach here, week in and week out, is the necessity of taking respons- personal responsibility for your own defense. You you said that knowledge and and getting people to know and and these classes. Now there's something that I I was really interested in discussing with you in that I hear a lot of times that you know the, the knowledge that comes with this is in and of itself traumatic, that there are certain classes of people, women, younger people, you know, teenagers or children, that just aren't ready for this sort of military high-intensity training, that they don't need to be aware of it, that they need to have the ability to, to ignore it because otherwise it's going to be traumatic for them and their psyche. Is that, is that true? Does that play out for you? Uh, that's a, uh, you know, that's a negative on that. If you study the Israelis, uh, you know, everybody goes in the military. Once they get out of high school, they go straight in the military, uh, so on and so forth, you know. Um, but no, I, I'm going to disagree on that one. Um, again, knowledge is power. And uh, we have, I actually have classes. In fact, my classes, if the, if, if, if the, uh, the parents bring the kids, the kids are free. Uh, oh, really? So we need to get these kids uh, involved uh, and at least be able to, you know, Look at the surroundings, be able to figure something out and escape before, uh, you know, bad things happen. That'd be the same thing as home invasions, things of that nature like that. We do hear stories all the time about home invasions. It makes the news because it's, it's atypical, but when there's a home invasion and a child stops it, either through the use of a firearm or from knowing what to do, and, and those stories kind of resonate because it is atypical for what we think children are capable of. But children are capable of a lot more than we give them credit for. Uh, and, I, and I agree with that. Again, uh, knowledge is power, and you have to train them. Uh, to be able to act and react, to be able to do something. Uh, again, my my saying is, something is better than what? Nothing. Uh, yeah. um, running is uh, running is very honorable. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what would you say would be like the ABCs or the very most basics of an active shooter situation? What should what should our audience be doing if that happens to them, other than what they'll learn in your class? Well, as we know, uh, you know, we have different levels 
of awareness. You know, of course, we have yellow, which is, you know, your, I mean, excuse me, white, uh, which is your oblivious, your surroundings, okay? And so you need to be cognizant of your surroundings and be able to respond and then be able to act. Uh, and so, you know, as we know, it's very hard to hit a moving target. For those who hunt, you know, ducks and deer and stuff like that, it's very hard to hit a moving target. So the first thing we recommend is to run. Increase and the distance between hide, you. Hide, hide, hide would be a very good thing, too. And then your last resort would be fight. Uh, but uh, maybe fighting might be your best bet. Depending on the situation. And of course, you know, we're, we're using hypotheticals here. We'd have no way to give direct guidance towards every specific situation. The person has to evaluate what's going on at that moment and use their best judgment. But there are some kind of basic rules, like you said. You know, there's getting distance between you and the attacker. Then there's, you know, cover and concealment. And then finally, if you're backed into a corner, then having to fight. And so, those are what you know we we would call the the basics of any active shooter situation. How do you deal with a crowd though? I mean, when there's a thousand people trying to run for the same door. Well, you know that was if you listen to the investigation for Orlando, uh, some of their escape routes were locked and bolted shut. Uh, so they they, which is the, uh, the patrons, didn't have anywhere to run. Uh, so again, they had to run to the bathrooms, which was my personal opinion the worst. I don't know the layout of the building. I don't know how the size of the windows. I don't know if there's bars on the windows. They could smash out the windows, evacuate. Again, um, again, if someone had a gun in there, they could have stopped that individual uh, very quickly. And that's the same way with San Bernardino, exactly. Uh, it was close and personal uh, type of shooting, and uh, anybody could have defended herself rather quickly if they had a firearm. That's an interesting point that you made about windows. You know, there are alternative methods of egress from a building that we don't think of on a daily basis, but that are are available to us in an emergency, like windows or or finding a, an alternative way out. A lot of people don't realize that when they're when they're in that situation. But I don't know anyone who's played Call of Duty knows that when you're going in through a door or going in through a window, you're going in through a funnel, and it makes it easier for the attacker to pick you off, doesn't it? Now, that's you know, that's exactly right. Now you know again, you, you know that's what we can preach for your situation awareness. Uh, is the first thing you walk want you want to do is walk in and do what we call the ten second rule. That means you walk in, stand around for ten seconds or so, evaluate the situation, check out your exit, find out where you're going to go if something happens, and then move on smartly. Read body language as you're going. And those are good tips and good advice. Uh, we're coming up on a commercial break, so folks. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. We have a special guest this week, uh, Mr. Rodney Smith, who is, is here talking about situational awareness and active shooter situations. I know, Rodney, that you had brought up in the last segment that um, kind of the best defense is a good offense, and if someone had had a gun in either San Bernardino or Orlando, that the situation would have ended much more quickly with less loss of life. So what are the steps that go into being proficient in a situation like that with your sidearm? Well, first of all, it's all about training. Um, I run into way too many people that have their carry license, their Georgia weapon carry license. They have a gun. 
they don't even have a load the gun. And then you have people that know how to load the gun, but they don't know anything about how to operate a gun. Um, so the first thing you have to do is get professional firearms training. And uh, trust me, uh, look up professional. There's a big difference between instructors. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I, I'm an NRA instructor myself, but I don't have anywhere near the tactical experience that you have. You, you've been in the Navy, were, were in the Navy for how long? Uh, yes, uh, I'm a retired Navy chief. That's why they call me chief. That's my nickname. I spent 24 years in the United States Navy um, and uh, retired in 03. And then I got into policing and um, I spent 13 years as a police officer. I'm a, a state certified firearms instructor. So in other words, I train police officers. I'm what they call post certified. Um, and then I'll, I'll also train armed arm guards, uh, trained by the, um, actually uh, certified by the Secretary of State to uh, train armed guards and uh, detectives. Well, that's that's uh, an amazing resume, really, truly is. Uh, and your company, you do not just active shooter situations. You do lots of different trainings, don't you? Uh, yes. Actually, we do. Uh, believe it or not, we start off at the lowest level, which is actually hunter safety education for kids. Uh, and then we go up to, you know, of course, we have our presentations. Our less, in fact, we uh, teach uh, less lethal defense and situation awareness to real estate agents down at the academy in Swanee. Okay. Uh, and uh, we do, uh, you know, of course, active shooters, situate home defense classes. We, we, we do a whole bunch of classes. Um, and because, you know, you, you have a different bunch of folks that you have to reach out to. So do you train the real estate agents how to not get shot by police chiefs when they're showing um, the the model home property off late at night? Is that part of it? Well, yes. What we do there is again we you know we just we want to make we want to make sure the real estate agents are you know, are you know properly trained, and so we we'll teach them situation awareness in conjunction with less lethal defense, and uh, from flashlights to OC spray to tasers to actually guns. And uh, and so they uh, they're they open their eyes up. All I gotta say. So what, when we're talking about OC and tasers and and firearms, my position has always been that uh, a firearm is is the least likely to you know turn back on you in a situation. I, I've always been leery of OC spray, lest it you know fill the room or or blind or incapacitate me as well. Is that a a, a real fear, or am I just being silly? No, no, that's a, that, that is a fact. Uh, at the end of every lecture we have for the real estate agents, we have a little workshop, and then we have all the uh, the list up there: uh, OC spray, taser, knife, all the list, and even the gun. So we tell the folks, say, "Hey, pick out three of these items, which would which would you would use, and tell me why you would use it, and then one you wouldn't use, and why you wouldn't use it." And you would not believe you. 99% of the real estate agents pick the firearm as a primary defense. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I wouldn't have believed that, but that's a fantastic number to hear. So why why is that? Why do they gravitate towards the firearm? What's their well, reason? because in our lecture, we we uh, do the pros and cons of every less lethal defense, from a knife to a flashlight, OC spray, taser, and then once they've realized how ineffective some of those things are and their life's at jeopardy, then they finally realize, hey, this uh, this firearm is not as bad as we thought it was. 
that's that's incredible. I once had the opportunity to play with a tomahawk with someone who actually knew how to use a tomahawk, and yep. after about an hour and a half of playing with it, I realized that I could dedicate the next ten years of my life to becoming proficient just to be shot by some old grandma and never have a chance to use it to defend myself. Right. Exactly right. So, you know, there is there is a lot that goes into these decisions, and there's a lot of training that's needed. I, I, I'm afraid that most people who decide to go buy a gun, and this is something I mentioned in my first segment, is that there's a lot of gays and lesbians who are flocking to gun stores right now to buy a gun for self-defense and, and because they're afraid of what happened in Orlando. But if you just buy a gun and you buy a box of ammo and you stick the ammo in the gun and put the rest in your dresser drawer and leave it sitting there, you're not better prepared for the Orlando situation than you were three minutes before. Before you bought the gun. I agree 110%, sir. So how do we get them to realize, and what what is the, the type of training that someone who said, I am not going to be a victim, I am not going to be in the next Orlando, I just bought a gun, what kind of training do they need? Do they need active shooter training? Do they need, you know, hunter safety to just to start getting started and learning how to clean the, the, the gun? What's, what's the right level of training for someone who is afraid of what happened down there and has decided to never be a victim? Well, there's a, a, there is a sequence, and it depends on the maturity of the individual and, of course, the, the, the mindset of the individual. Um, first of all, the first question that you have to ask before you purchase that gun, and you have to answer that question less than well, a second. I, I, know, I know this one. I know this one. It's, do you feel lucky, Right. No, the question is, and you better answer it within less than a second, can you take a life? If you cannot answer that question within a tenth of a second, because that's how fast things happen, it's not an, a firearm is not a negotiation piece. When that weapon is drawn, two things are going to happen. The perpetrator is going to comply or run away, or rounds are flying spinner mass. Well, and for some people, the moment that they clear leather, they're starting to depress the trigger. I mean, there is a school of thought there that if you are presenting the firearm, then you are shooting because you've already pre- passed the life or death decision mark at that moment. Exactly right. So it's a, what we call, as a police officer, escalation of force. So you're exactly right. So when that, when that weapon is drawn, uh, rounds are going to center mass. And to answer your question, the best pr- procedure uh, some folks need a hunter education class. We start you off in the basic pistol safety class, then move you up to intermediate, then advanced, then a personal carry class. Uh, and we're going to teach you uh, not only just how to handle a gun, we're going to teach you the administrative portions of it as well, i.e., which would be use of deadly force. You have to know when can you use deadly force. Also, we're going to teach you, um, uh, the, of course, situation awareness, ammunition, and um, you know, and also Georgia carry laws. Absolutely, and and, 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 yeah, I, and, and, and it all boils down to you know, and anybody can sling rounds down range, but can you can you make that gun function like it needs to function? Like you know, shooting a movie. Can anybody? Can you shoot and move? Can you move left, right, backwards, forward, and hit your target? Laying down? Can you lay down and hit your target? Well, that's what we train. We teach you how to do that. And those are, are skills that have to be mastered over time. This is not something that you can go and take a two-hour class and say, yep, I, I passed the class, I know what I'm doing. It, they're skills that deteriorate over time, that have to be honed and have to be practiced. 
uh, again, uh, you know, practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. Exactly right. <laughs> because if you're doing it wrong, so on and so forth, magazine changes. Also, you need, you need to know the right ammunition to use. Yeah. If you're using the wrong ammunition, uh, that's not very effective either. Let me ask you this. What are your feelings about competitions as training? Uh, uh, to be able to have some, you know, stress placed on you while you're doing your, your training. Well, that's exactly what we do is we, uh, we, we actually put you under the clock. Uh, we do, you know, we do put you put it under some what we call duress, which is duress is really good because you get that heart rate up. In fact, what we'll do is, you know, uh, for those who can do it, we'll get you to do some maybe run a little bit, do some jumping jacks get you under duress, get that heart rate up a little bit, uh, and then shoot a course of fire, and you will not believe how bad of a shot you're going to be after that heart rate gets high. Absolutely. And um, I remember doing a competition a few years ago where there was a mental aspect that you had to only shoot certain targets that had mm-hmm. a, a, a particular playing card stapled to them. So you had to identify the target, make a snap decision, fire at the target, and do it while you were trying to you know calculate your next move, too. All of these sorts of things go into trying to make a realistic situation, right? That's affirmative, and that's exactly right. You need a good guy, bad guy, hostage situations. Because uh, you have to, because, you know, when you squeeze that trigger, you cannot bring that round back. And so you've got to be really cognizant of what you're doing and where you're around. And also, don't forget what is beyond that target as well. Absolutely. I mean, you're, uh, you're so, responsible for that all the way through. So uh, we call praying and spraying. Uh, there's no praying and spraying. Uh, every round is going to hit center mass, and, you're, you're, and you are accountable for every round you put down range. But there's also a speed element, too, because you don't have an infinite amount of time to make these decisions. That, that is exactly right. So you draw your weapon, and also you need to learn how to shoot dominant and non-dominant hand. also. That's very important. That's that's always, personally, that's always been a trick for me because I have a, a vision impairment in my right eye. So mm-hmm. I, have, I have to, like, camp my head over when I'm shooting um, right-handed to be able to use a handgun. And with transitioning with a rifle is just impossible. Yeah, well, your 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 you know your dominant eye takes over, so yeah. Well, we are up to our commercial break. I really want to thank you, Rodney. Um, why don't you tell us more about how to contact your company so that we can get some of these classes going with our members? Uh, yes, um, you can contact me at, at uh, of course at Georgia Firearms and Security Training Academy, and uh, my phone number is seven seven zero five three zero. Five six three zero, and of course we have a Facebook page. Like us on Facebook, we also have a web page as well. Gafasta.com. Very good, and I hope that you'll be willing to come on and talk with us again. Maybe next time under better circumstances when we haven't just had a mass shooting. Anytime you want me to, sir. Thank you very much. All right, folks, you're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and we will be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, folks. I'm, I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing from our special guest. That was really interesting information. Some of it, you know, we're well familiar with. We need training. We've been saying that all along. We don't need mandatory training. We don't need, you know, required training. Although I think that we should have required training in school. I think that in your junior or senior year of high school, you should have uh, whatever class 
should be that is required to get, say, a Virginia license or a Utah license or a Florida license, all those mandatory training states that, that abridge our freedoms, instead of making it so that you have to take this expensive class to get a, a license, let's just incorporate it into the high school curriculum. You, you heard our guests say that the material is perfectly suited for children. I mean, he lets kids come to the class and they can sit through it for free. I mean, that's awesome. I think that that is just... <coughs> An awesome, awesome thing. And that might be something that I end up taking my children to. During the commercial break, he and I were speaking before before he had to go, and he offered to let me come take one of his classes. And I'm, I'm going to take him up on that. I'm going to bring my kids down to Covington and take one of his classes so that we can all be a little bit better prepared and and maybe be a better shot when the moments count in, in, in the highest degree. So this is a good opportunity. And, you know, he is a supporter and member of GeorgiaCarry.org and is reaching out to us and trying to help us be better prepared because we're a community. We are a group of people who work together as a community to try to accomplish more than what we could ever do individually. And that's that's an important goal. That is something that we need to be constantly striving for is to be better and to be better connected and be integrated with each other in such a way that we can accomplish more. And the best way to do that is become a member of georgiacarry.org. Now, becoming a member is simple. It's $20 a year. You can either go to www.georgiacarry.org. It's all spelled out, georgiacarry.org. And in the top left-hand corner, click Join Now. When you click Join Now, it's $20 for a year, or you can get a lifetime membership for $500. And you get special perks for being a lifetime membership. Like at the annual convention, you get to have a a lunch with the speaker, and you get to be invited to lifetime member-only events. But in the end, whether you're a member for one year or for the rest of your life, georgiacarry.org gives you valuable opportunities to know what's going on in your state legislature, know what's coming up and going down in in legislative battles and politics. And speaking of which, now that you know how to become a member, I want to take just a second to, to let everybody who's listening know what happened in DeKalb County, because I have been for months touting how we had the perfect test case for House Bill 826 and how things were going to go forward. Unfortunately, the state brought a lot of pressure upon my client, and my client decided to enter a guilty plea to something that, honestly, I believe was not a crime for him. But the deal was simply too good for him. Uh, He was not able to continue the fight and carry it through to the end like I had hoped. Um, And it's something that's very hard. It's very hard for a person to stare into their family's eyes and say, I'm willing to go to jail for a cause to help everybody else. You know, there are very few Rosa Parks in this world. I I remember a certain state legislator who was suddenly willing to go and be arrested to help defend his statute. And we were getting ready, and it was going to be an amazing day. And then he called me up, and he's like, Doug, I can't do it. My wife, my kids, I owe it to them not to, to go to jail. And I can't fault someone for making that decision. Unfortunately, that's kind of the way that tyranny is won in this country, is that they just make the price of freedom too high that they're not no one's willing to to make that stand or take that fight or risk that risk for so little and it we all suffer a thousand little deaths while any one of us could be thrown in to something much deeper because of these unjust or unfair laws and when they realize that they've got someone who knows how to fight and who's willing to fight and who's willing to go all the way with it then suddenly they're making deals left right and center to try to make it go away it's the nature of the beast. If we're going to have a test case on 826, we're going to have to have someone who's willing to risk their whole life for the, the good of the rest of the state. 
and you know the legal bills are daunting i've done my best for my clients and and for this state and tried to to make it so that it's feasible and that it can happen but even when i'm shouldering the burden financially and not you know doing my doing my billing but not withdrawing when my bills aren't paid when that happens you know even then they find a way to to discourage the client from proceeding forward so DeKalb County cases is officially dead, and I'm looking for another test case with someone who's willing to go the distance. And that's kind of the way it stands. And maybe there's someone in GeorgiaCarry.org who's willing to go that distance. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's somebody else out there who's listening on these airwaves and wants to make a stand against the tyranny that Governor Deal has perpetrated against the people of Georgia over the last two years. Maybe, maybe not. But either way, you know, every week I come in here and do this show and I, I stand ready. I stand in the gap to help try to, to make freedom full and and true in the state and to help people and so that they can defend themselves and defend their families defend them whether they're in orlando and in the the gay bar or whether they're in in california in the hospital they needed the right to defend themselves and and here in georgia we've got hospitals and we've got gay bars and we've got airports and we've got gun-free zones and all of these places are are high targets for people who want to do harm and to hurt people and to spread a message of hate and we've got to be able to stop them and the only way to stop them is to take personal responsibility so we have to tear down the gun-free zones we have to enable people to carry we have to make sure that that individuals can defend themselves. We have to train people to be responsible gun owners and that they can hit their moving target while on the run in a crowded room. We've got to be able to do these things. We've got to be better than the best. We've got to be more than perfect. We have to be libertarian. We have to be free. And that's what it comes down to. So, folks, I'm hoping that this week was profitable, that you saw a glimpse that there is good opportunities get your church to contact mr smith and and georgia fafsa get your your um workplace to contact them to do an active shooter training so that people can be aware and it's more than just at your office place it's more than just at your synagogue it's more than just at your mosque this is training that will carry with them into the rest of the world you will be making them not only ambassadors for christ but ambassadors for freedom, personal responsibility, and safeguarding the lives of all those around them. Who is your brother? Your brother is the person who's next to you. And it's our duty. We are our brother's keepers. I mean, the the, the, the Jewish tradition, going all the way back to, a, to Adam, when um, Cain was asked, where is your brother? His, his blood was crying out from the ground. And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question, am I my brother's keeper, is yes. Yes, we are our brother's keepers. That's why we carry guns. I carry a gun because it's a badge of a, a badge of office. My gun is a symbol that I am a free man, that I am not beholden to a sovereign, that I have the ability to take personal responsibility for myself, and no one can take my life away from me lest I lay it down, right? And that is why we are there. We, we stand in the gap, and we protect our families, and we protect our loved ones, and we end up protecting those around us, too, because we stand in the gap, and we take that personal responsibility and the torment that comes with it. 
Nobody wants to talk about the, the psychological impact that having to draw a firearm on somebody and shoot them will cause a person. But we accept that. We accept that that was going to happen to us and that we're going to have those sleepless nights, those traumatic times, probably PSTD that flows from that sort of a traumatic event of watching someone die at our own hands. We accept that as part of the reality that is necessary to protect our children's lives. And it's worth it. It's worth every second of the torment that will come in order to save our children from having to, to go through something horrible. And that is who we are. That's the makeup of what a GeorgiaCarry.org member is. That's the makeup of what an American is. We are Americans. We believe in freedom. We believe in personal responsibility. We believe in right and wrong. We believe in justice. These are the things that make us who we are. And it's time that we embrace this. We don't need to apologize to any nation for what we've done. We are Americans. We do what is right. We do what is good. We stand in the gap and we make things happen. When there are, is trouble, we, we help each other. When there is problems, we fix them. And when there are dangers, we eliminate it. And that's what it comes down to. It is time for us to eliminate these dangers, to take personal responsibility, to stand in the gap, and to do more. Folks, it's Saturday. Get out there. Get out there with your kids. Get out there with your girlfriend. Get out there with your loved ones. And make the day a good day. Enjoy it. Revel in it. Cherish it. Because tomorrow you may be called on to defend them. And when that day comes, it's the days like today that will make tomorrow bearable. When that day comes, it's days like today that make life worth living. So get out there and enjoy it. Take them shooting. Do a class. Call your legislator. Do something remarkable. Enjoy the day. And I will too. I'll see you next week at same bat time, same bat time. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.